this morning, do you believe there's no higher name? Do you believe there is no higher name? You know, the Bible tells us that Jesus, that the name of Jesus is over every single name, over every single name. And we're not just talking about Brad. We're not just talking about Jennifer. But we're talking about anything that has a name, the name of Jesus is above it. Isn't that wonderful? Isn't that something that, that should just make you smile, should make you be excited, make you be glad? That the name of Jesus is above anything that has a name. Glory to your name. Father God, we love you and we praise you this morning. Lord, we worship you. We lift you up. Father God, we, we recognize you as the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Father, we, we understand and we realize that you're alone in your majesty. And Father, as we come together... Lord, our, 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 our words and our song, Father God, even our uplifted hands, Lord, they pale in comparison to what you've done for us. And so, Father, we just thank you. We ask you, first of all, to, to accept our praise and to accept our worship and to accept our, our yielding to you, Father God, understanding that we only know that it's not by might, that it's not by power, but it's by the Spirit that we're able to do these things. And the Spirit of God is everlasting. The Spirit of God empowers us. The Spirit of God moves us. And Lord, we just thank you. We thank you that we can say that you reign above it all. And we thank you for that in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. We'll just turn and just, just tell somebody he reigns. Praise the Lord. Glory to God. Well, I am Pastor Brad. And my wife, Jennifer, and I pastor here at True North Church, and we're glad that you're with us today. We're glad that you uh, chose to come and worship with us today. Our children are dismissed. Don't want to keep them out too long, right? They might, they might cause a revolt. They wouldn't do that, right? No, that's, that was a joke. They might cause a revolt. Praise the Lord. God is good. And, you know, sometimes we just say that and we're like, yeah, God's good. Yeah, God is good. But no, really, God is good. He really is. And uh, we see it every day. And I've, I firmly believe that the more that you get to know God, the more that you see his goodness and that you are able to uh, comprehend in, in greater ways and in a, a better measure, bigger measure of of how good he is and the, the goodness that he has for us. And so as we're, as we're learning how to worship him and as we're learning how to praise him, I don't believe we'll get it right until we get to heaven when we're swallowed up in the throne room of praise. I mean, it's, the, the Bible tells us that it's loud and that uh, the, all the angels are crying, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. And it's just over and over again that they're constantly just making this message known. That God reigns. He reigns in heaven. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. And he wants to reign in our lives. Amen. Well, we're looking in uh, we've, our scripture, this, this, uh, this series, I'm going to call it, is in Romans chapter 1. And if you'll go there with me, uh, we'll start in verse 18. But we've been looking at four ways to keep from being drained, for our, 
keep our faith from being drained. How many of you know that during these days, especially, it just seems like every day it's just another, another step, it's another um, opportunity, it's another challenge that, that can cause you or to make you feel like, you know, I'm just really not sure that God's still moving. I'm really not sure that God is still, uh, you know, happy with me or happy with, with what's going on in my life. What that does, what, what's going on is that you are being subjected to things in this world that are contrary to the Word of God. Every single day, something is coming across your path, something comes across your life, something comes against your family or against your finances, against your health, against your, your job, against anything that you're, that you're giving into. Something's always coming against that to cause you to, to doubt or to, to get your eyes off of the one who who is the lifter of your head. Now, the Bible tells us that he is the glory and the lifter of our head, that he's the one that helps us to look up and to keep looking up towards him. And so there's four things that we can do that, that, is, that Paul challenges us as he's writing to the church in, at Rome. He's, he, there's four things that he challenges us with, and one of them was that we need to make sure that we're glorifying God. And the second one is that we make sure that we're giving thanks to God, that we're not just you know, uh, acting like everything that happens in our life is because, well, look what I did, you know, or, you know, I figured this out or I figured that out. No, everything that happens in your life, if you're a born-again child of God, is only and solely because you serve the living God. Anything that you do that's great, it's because he's greater. Anything that you say that makes sense, and listen, this is good for me to know because I don't say a lot of good things that make sense right? But because of God, because of his word, if I just put his word in my mouth, then guess what? I'm going to make sense. I'm going to make sense every time. Some of your wives, some of you wives are going, yeah, I wish my husband would hear that because he just, sometimes he just doesn't make any sense, but, but it's okay. We do. God wants us to make sense. And so he gave us his word to do that. So we looked at those, those two things. We looked at uh, praising God or giving glory to God. We looked at thanksgiving. Another way that we can uh, keep from being drained, keep our faith from being drained is to make sure that our imagination, that we're keeping control of our imagination, and then the last thing that we can look at is how we need to make sure that we're being people that do good works. That that is, that is evident in our lives. It's not, and again, it's not because you're a good person or because, you know, you know Jesus even said there's nobody good but God. You know, Jesus even said, and, it, and, and it's not about you doing good works. It's about good works flow out of you because of who you are. The goodness of God flows out of you because of who you are. But what I want to do this morning is I want to, Look at the the word praise because the that first thing that that uh, that Paul was saying. Let's look at um, Romans chapter one and start in verse eighteen. It says, "For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who suppress the truth in unrighteousness, because that which is known about God is evident within them. For God made it." evident to them. This is the NASB uh, version, I'm in verse number 20 now. For since the creation of the world, his invisible attributes, everybody say attributes, Some, sometimes the, uh, the scriptures will say his characteristics or the, the things that, that, that he is, but his invisible attributes, his, his eternal power and divine nature have been clearly seen being understood through what has been made so that they are without excuse. Now, we firmly believe that God is a, a, a being. He's a God of his word. 
We, we firmly believe that here. And as the, the Bible, the scripture tells us over and over that God doesn't do anything outside of his word, that he makes sure that his word accomplishes what it's sent forth to accomplish. He watches over his word to make sure that it, it performs what he says it, sh- it should perform. And that goes all the way back to creation. It goes all the way back to Genesis chapter 1. It says that he spoke his word and and things happen certain things happen light be and and the the waters pulled up and and we had land and and all these animals were were formed because of his word and i think that is such a powerful thing to to realize is that even god sees his word as seed and you're going okay well where are you going with that God sees his word as seed because everything about his word is enveloped is enveloped and so that when it goes out it has the 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 potential now listen it has the potential to do what it was spoken to do because God said it and so as I love the the songs we did this morning especially uh, the the praise I won't be quiet my God is alive how could I keep it inside? We are beings. We, are, we were made in the image of God. And because we're made in the image of God, everything that we say is a seed. Because God, everything God says is like a seed. And, and, and so seeds, as you know, you know, like if you plant an oak tree, an oak tree seed is not 50 feet tall and, you know, you know, four or five feet in diameter and, and, you know, with all the acre, it doesn't have all those things because it couldn't physically, it couldn't hold the end result. But it takes planting that seed. It takes nurturing that seed. We've got, we have all these little, um, well, actually we have a, we have a, a maple tree that has, that has taken root inside of, we've got some sort of grass out in front of our house and this maple tree has taken root inside of there. So there is, even though there is a, uh, a plant of grass, there's this maple tree that's like, just grows. And everything that we do, we burn it. We burn the, we burn the grass. I think we've, we've sprayed it. We've cut it down as far down as we can get because we can't quite get in there because the grass is that, that sticky grass that, that kind of sticks to yeah, the fountain grass. But, but it was, there was a seed that said, you're going to have all the attributes, you're going to have all the characteristics, and in the end result, you're going to look like a maple tree. No matter what's going on around you, you're going to look like a maple tree as long as you get the nutrients, as long as you get the supply that you need so that you can grow. That's how the Word works. The word works the exact same way. When you speak something, either positive or negative, it's encapsulating all of the attributes of what's going to be the end result, of what's going what's to show up tomorrow or next week or next month or next year. Sometimes our words that we speak, they don't, they don't, they don't, have a, they don't come into fruition until years down the road. But as long as you keep nurturing that as long as you keep supplying it with everything that it needs it will come to pass you know jesus says in mark 11 22 he says in mark 11 22 23 he says if you whatever you ask in my name this is not there he said it, it will be done so he jesus told the disciples this is not in mark 11 but he did tell the disciples he says whatever you ask in my name it will be done according to the word mark 11 22 and 23 says Whatever, whenever you pray, believe that you receive, believe that you receive what you ask for, 
Say it, say it out loud for me, because I'm missing it. That's right. That's what Jesus said. See, Jesus said, thank you. Thank you to the lady in the back there. Thank you. He says, truly I say to you, whoever says, whoever speaks to this mountain, whoever says something to this mountain, whoever throws, whoever throws a seed at this mountain, am I, are, are you guys okay with me saying that your word is a seed? Everybody, everybody all right with that? Do you, see what, do you see where I'm going with this? He says, whoever, wh- whoever says to this mountain, be taken up and be cast into the seed and does not doubt in his heart, but believes what he says is going to happen, it will be granted to him. Go back to 22. Jesus said, have faith in God. Now, some translations say, have the God kind of faith. Have the God kind of faith. Have the God kind of, what do you mean, God has faith? Yeah, he has faith. Where do you think faith came from? Where do you think believing came from? Where do you think, where do you think anything in, in your life, everything comes from God, amen? And so as we're, as we're looking at this, as we're, as we're considering these things, considering how important your, your words are, how important your, the, the seed that's coming out of your mouth is, we should be lining up with what God says. See, the Bible tells us that we were created in the image of God. The Bible tells us that. And it's very clear. It's very, it's, it, there's no question about that. There's no question in the Bible of where did humans come from. So should we have any question? No, we should not have a question here. And one of the things that we're going to look at this morning is that, you know, animals are designed to react their, their whole, their, everything about them, we were, we were with some uh, friends this past week, and uh, he asked the question, he just asked it out of nowhere, he goes, are you a, a fight or flight person? Are you a fight or, f- fl- <laughs> I'm sorry, fight or flight? Yes, I have to look at, this is my, uh, she's my helper, she interprets for me. Are you a flight or fight person? And I'm like, what? I mean, this just kind of came out of nowhere, because we weren't talking about fighting or flighting. But, uh, but he said, are you a fight or a flight? And then, you know, and then we, we kind of talked about it and kind of him and hauled around it. And, and uh, you know, we're trying to figure these things out. And it, and it really is situational. I think that sometimes, as, as just as people, it depends on the situation. Now, if somebody like Miss Pastor Jennifer here, she likes to sneak up on me and scare me. Especially in the mornings when I'm when I'm making coffee and thinking about you know thinking about how wonderful my family is and how wonderful my wife is, she likes to sneak into the kitchen and you know, but she's not trying she's not trying to scare me. I'm gonna get in so much trouble after after service. Please check on me later on this afternoon. All right. She, she's not trying to scare me, but she, she's real quiet, and she'll come into the kitchen because that's just how she is. She's just a quiet person. And, 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 you know, and something will happen, and, I'll turn, and I will jump. Now, that doesn't necessarily mean I'm a, fr- a fright person, okay? That doesn't mean I'm a scared person, but it's a situational thing. I don't fight her. Not, I don't go after her. How many of you, when you, somebody scares you, you're ready to go? You are ready to put the dukes up and like we're going to take care of this. No, but that's that's not that's not so. But animals are programmed that way. That's what they're going to do. They're either going to run, but then some animals will size up who what's 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 scaring them or frightening them, and they'll fight. And so uh, 
I was watching, um, well, never mind. We'll keep going here. So I say that because you're like, well, what does that have to do with anything? Paul is talking to the church. I have to get back on track. Paul is talking to the church, and he's saying there, there are things which you know as the body of Christ. If you look back at uh, Romans chapter 1, verse 19, he says, That which is known about God is evident within them, for God made it evident to them. This, this, this idea that when you get born again, when you, get, when you, when you confess Jesus as, you, as your Lord, and you, you confess with your mouth that he's your Lord, and you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, that all of a sudden you're saved, there is an evidence of God that's on the inside of you. You're created in the image of God. But listen, you aren't acting like God until you have received Jesus, until you, until you have the Spirit of God on the inside of you. And so now all of a sudden, you're, the opportunity for your words, you now have an opportunity for them to change. See, as it, before you were born again, everything that you said and everything that you did came out of your own desire, out of your own flesh, out of your own will. It, it wasn't because you were programmed to, to, to fight or flight or, or speak or whatever. It's just you were following what your flesh was saying, what your mind was saying. But what's different about a born-again child of God is that when you have the Spirit of God on the inside of you, that all of a sudden now you have this opportunity to start saying things that are, that are creative in God's sense, in God's way, and in God's direction. You have an opportunity that instead of reacting to things and going, I can't believe my boss is being, you know, so hard on me, or, you know, I can't believe that, that my kids' teachers are, are, are doing this, and, and you know, uh, or my, my kids' coaches are acting this way. Or, you know, the, you, you, you can go from a person that, that reacts, and everything that you say is a reaction, to a person that's like, well... All right, let's consider what does God have to say. And see, that's what makes you different from an animal, is that animals don't reason things out. As much as you want to think that dogs reason things out and are, you know, are so loving and so nurturing, you know, and that they're choosing. No, dogs are just reacting to their situation, to, their, to what's stimulating them around. So many people do the same thing. And what's bad is when Christians do the same thing. That we just react to what's, to what's stimulating us, to what's, 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 what, what our circumstances are like. See, as a child of God, you have an opportunity to be able to speak the power of God into, the, into your life and into the situation that you're in. So that means you have an opportunity to change it. See, your words are creative. Your words are powerful. Your words can change your destiny. Because that's how God is. That's how God works. That's what, you know, God, God he never, and what, what we're going to get to is here is why it's important to praise. You know, we, we talked a couple of weeks ago about being people that, are, that glorify God and that magnify him. And that throughout the Bible, we see, we see time and time again, these words are being switched back and forth to magnify and to glorify. But, but really, that both of these words, all they're doing is praising and when you praise, you know, just, just in a, a, a dictionary sense, all praise is is talking something up. You're talking, you're talking up what God has done for you. You're, you're talking up what, what, he's, what he's done for you. Maybe he's doing it right now. Maybe it's something that he did yesterday. Maybe you just got born again and, and the light came on and you're like, man, God, you, you saved me. Like that song we sang this morning over and over. You saved me, you saved me, and I'll never leave your love. Well, that is, that is talking up God. 
And God, God, it's, now listen, God isn't waiting for you to talk him up. He's not like, I wish somebody would say something good about me. But the Bible does say that he inhabits the praises of his people. Now, what does that mean? That if, if he inhabits your praise, that means it's not that all of a sudden he shows up. It means all of a sudden you're like, oh my goodness, God, you're here. You're here. You're right here in the midst of this situation. You're right here in the midst of this trial that I'm going through. You're right here in the midst of this, this family dispute or this quarrel that, that I'm having to deal with. You're right here because you start talking him up. And as Christians, sometimes we'll just, we won't. We won't say anything about God. It's not that we don't believe him. It's just like, I don't know if I need to say anything right now. No, you need to praise the Lord. You need to glorify him. You need to magnify him because if you don't, then the situation is going to overtake you. When Paul is talking here, go back to Romans chapter 1, and we don't want you to get overtaken. God doesn't want you to get overtaken. It says in Romans chapter 1 verse 20, he says, For since the creation of the world, his invisible attributes, his eternal power and divine nature have been clearly seen. There is no denying that God is still on the move. There is no denying that God is still working on our behalf. The, the song, we, the, the Waymaker song that we sing, even though I don't see it, you're working, even though I don't feel it, you're working, even, you know, you go on and on and on. And it's like, it doesn't matter what's going on. God is working. And so what we need to do is get our, get our minds and get our words lined up with that. Romans chapter 12, verse 2, just write this down, tells us that we need to renew our minds according to the word of God. You've got to renew it. Because if you don't, when you get in a situation where you're, 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 the, the doctors are saying we're going to have to do this, if you don't have your mind renewed to what God says, then you don't know how to pray. You don't know how to praise. You don't know how to glorify him. So it's, it's important that we're doing that as Christians, as believers. Again, uh, Romans 1.20, being understood through what has been made so that they are without excuse. So everything that we see, we understand that God made it. We even see in, in Hebrews, it tells us that by his word, he created everything that we've seen. He created this world. He created this age. He created this time period. He created everything that we enjoy. Everything that, that, that's going on around us was created by God's word. Verse 21 says, even though they knew God, they did not honor him or give him thanks but they became futile in their speculations. That means their imaginations got all wonky. They got, they got all self-centered. They got all, look at what I'm doing, or look at, you know, look, at, look at how I did this or how I did that. And it says that their foolish hearts were darkened. Now, I think verse 22 is interesting here because he says, this is the NASB, he says, professing to be wise, they became fools. Now, that word professing, he's, they're speaking. They're talking. They're saying, look at, look at how wise I am. Look at how I figured this out. Look at how I did this. Look at how I did that. But it says here that they became fools and exchanged the glory of the incorruptible God for an image in the form of corruptible man and of birds and four-footed animals and crawling creatures. Professing to be wise, they became fools and exchanged the glory of the incorruptible God for an image in the form of corruptible man and of birds and four-footed animals and crawling creatures. See, when you get into a place where you're not talking up God, when you're not praising him, 
then you're swapping things out. You're putting things in the wrong place. We, you get out of line. One of the things that, that I realize is that our bodies, our, our, our temples, you know, the Bible says that we're temples of the Holy Ghost. Our bodies and our minds and our spirits were made for God. And if you're, not, if you're not born again, then your body doesn't quite know what to do with itself. And in fact, your body is, is going to be prone to the sin nature, which God, wherever God is, sin can't be. And so your body totally, that's why we die. That's why we age. I know y'all are like, you don't age much. You know, you're not aging very fast or anything like that. I, I look like I'm 20, you know, 25, whatever. You can, put, you can, you can put a number on it. But, but we change. Our bodies change because of sin, because of how sin affects our bodies. Because our bodies weren't made for sin. And if we would, if we could understand that, you know, it's like, and you know, and I've been serving God for you know a lot of years. And I can remember, I'll tell you about my grandmother and how she would, she would constantly try to get me to, to, to memorize scriptures because she wanted my mind to be thinking about the things of God and not, not the situation. I look back and I go, man, if I hadn't been thinking about scripture then, I'd have been a depressed little kid because of the things that were going on in my life, because of, because of the, the situations that, that we would be put in as children. Just side note here, parents. You have so much responsibility on the call of God on your children's life. God's going to hold you responsible for that. What you do and what you don't do to encourage that, you'll be held responsible for it when you, when you stand before God. At, at, at the time of, there's going to be a time of judgment for Christians and what we did with what God gave us. And so it's important that we understand that, that we're doing everything that we can to get this next generation to where they're like, I serve God because I serve God. Not because my parents serve them, not because my grandparents serve them, but because I serve them. So we've got to make sure that we're putting them in that, in that situation because God does hold us accountable. But we have to be careful, again, that, that the words that we're speaking, the words that we're saying, don't be so bold to think, well, I don't need to be talking about God. I don't need to be talking God up. You need every breath that's filled with the praise of God. You need every breath that is filled with the praise of God. Now, the Old Testament is great. It's got a couple of examples. Uh, we, have, we have example of Paul and Silas in the New Testament when, when, uh, when, when they, were, they were, all they did is they were doing what God was, was telling them to do. They were telling people about Jesus. They were telling people about the risen Savior. And uh, the, this, 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 this group of people came and they had this young girl that was demon-possessed and could, could tell the future and, you know, could, could do this kind of thing. And, and, and Paul got aggravated. Uh, a holy aggravation not he wasn't mad he wasn't angry but he was like this has got to quit and so he cast the he cast the devil he cast the demon out of this young girl and uh she quit you know the devil left her because the word says that that if you cast things out in the name of jesus they have to go that's just that is what the scripture says so we believe god's word we believe it's true so we believe that's what happened and so the people that had this young lady uh, you know, they were, they got upset. They got mad because their moneymaker was gone. 
And so what did they do? They stirred up a bunch of trouble. They stirred up, they stirred up the authorities, and they said that these guys were, were doing these things, and they're, you know, they're, they're, uh, they're, they're saying things against their, their religions or against their culture, and they're teaching people against it and all this other stuff, and that's not what they were doing. And uh, I mean, the, book of, the book of Romans is, is a fun book. This isn't in the book of Romans, but it's a, it's a fun book, all right? Because, because Paul is so, he is so like ready to guys, this is how you're supposed to go. This is the direction that you're supposed to go. Don't be ashamed of it and don't be afraid of it. I'm not ashamed of the gospel. You know, that, that, is, that is Paul's, his heart and his, his, his desire is that believers that were not ashamed of the gospel. And we see over and over, if, if you're reading the book of Romans with us, that, uh, the, that he says over and over, don't be ashamed of it. Don't be uh, quiet about it. And how many times he was brought before somebody and they're, they're questioning him and they're challenging him. And, he's, and he says, look, it's Jesus. I, my job is, is to get Jesus, the, the name of Jesus out there. My job is to get the word, the word of truth out there. And so he's not quiet about what he says about God. And it's Christians, the worst thing that you can do as a Christian is to be quiet about what God's doing in your life. It's the worst thing. And if you, wanna, if you wonder, well, why aren't we seeing uh, the church moving the power and, and, you know, and see the power of God moving the church today, it's because we've got a bunch of Christians that just sit around and they don't say nothing. Now, they might talk about what the doctor said, or they might talk about how somebody's being mean to them, or they might, they might talk up, they might pray, they're praising the wrong thing. And we wonder why we don't see, we don't feel like God is where we are. It's because we're not, we're not giving him an opportunity to remind us of, of who we are. It's, it's, um, on, you know, Sunday mornings, we, we minister a lot about who God is and who you are in Christ. So that tomorrow when you wake up, you're thinking about who God is and who I am in Christ. And Tuesday... You, we, we, I heard um, there's a guy at youth camp that, that shared, some of the youth will remember that, this. He's a pastor down in Louisiana. And he said that he's one of those guys that, uh, that he likes to see how long his car can drive, you know, as close to empty as, poss- as he can possibly get. And this guy, I mean, his, his daddy's a preacher and his grandpa's a preacher. And, I mean, he's got preacher in his blood and he's a preacher. But he, he's like, I, I always, he said, I just... I'm not, you know, and he said, he said his dad would tell him that I always top up. Like, just if I've got a three quarters of a tank, I go and I top up. And he's like, well, I, I don't, you know, I wait till I get to where I actually need it. And, uh, and so I can, I kind of relate to that because I do want to always see how much my gas mileage, I'm a numbers guy, and I love seeing how my gas mileage improves. And it actually improves on fumes. That if you're riding on fumes, it, it makes it look like that you're getting more mileage out of your tank, out of each gallon. But um, he, was, he was talking about a situation that he was in that, uh, that he, had, he, he had just a little, he didn't have much gas, and he kind of knew how many miles he could go, that he could drive and do this, he had some errands to run, and then before church, he was going to chur- go at the gas station right, right at his church and, and fill up at that point. And so he drives and he does the things he needs to do, Well, all of a sudden, as he's heading to church, because he's got his stuff done, he's like, he's like my, uh, my air conditioner quit working. And he's like, you know, because he's starting to run out of gas. And he realized that, is, you know, when, you're, when, you're, when, you're, when your car starts shutting off, the power steering will quit working. 
He said, and I got to that point, and he said, I'm so close to the gas station. And what's funny is that the gas station is like right across the street from the church. And so he's thinking, if I can't make it to church, all these people that are coming to church are going to think, oh, man, you know, what's up with Pastor? Why didn't he, why didn't he, whatever. But he ended up, he cruised in to the, how many of you ever, how many of you ever done this? You cruise into the gas station, and he got to the gas tank, and he made it. And one of the things that, that I thought was good about this is that he said, you know, how many Christians do that? That we just, we cruise in, you know, we give, we give all that we got all week long, and then we, we, we cruise in on Sunday morning because we need to be filled up. Now, he was saying you need to be like his dad. You want to get topped up. You want to get topped up. You want to get topped up every chance that you get. And so I'm telling you this because if you want to stay full of God, if you want to be aware, if you want to want to know that God is everywhere that you're at, that he's in every situation that you're going through, that he's that he's that he's for you and not against you, that you've got to be saying some things. You have to be putting some seed out there. You've got to be declaring some things about your life. You've got to be declaring some things about your circumstance. You've got to be declaring some things because listen, if you don't, the devil will help you say some things that aren't true and will cause you to crash and burn just as quickly as you took off. Amen? That's not an amen. That's an no me. For, verse 21 again says, For even though they knew God, they did not honor him as God or give him thanks, but they became futile in their speculation, and their foolish hearts were darkened. Paul and Silas, let me come back to that. Paul and Silas, were, they took care of this, this demon, the people were stirred up. They were, they were saying things that weren't true about them. They ended up beating Paul and Silas. They ended up throwing them in prison. They ended up putting their feet in stocks, which uh, according to, to history, this was not comfortable. This was a, a piece of wood that had holes cut in it. And it's not, they didn't put your feet where, you know, where the closest holes were. They put your feet as far as they possibly could. And so their feet are in stocks, and they're in the, the, the middle of the inner prison, and they're, they're just, they're there. And the Bible says that at midnight, everybody say midnight, in the darkest hour, in the darkest time, in the time when there was, there was nothing else to be said, at the time that, 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 that is so easy for, for Satan to come in and, and to remind you of your past and all the things that you've done wrong and everything that you said that wasn't right or everything that you did that wasn't right. All these things that, that, that can get you sidetracked and get you off of the things of God. It says at midnight, you could hear them. Everybody say hear. You could hear them praising God, singing praises and praising God. And listen, this was so powerful that because they were doing this, it says that an earthquake shook the jail. I mean, I thought that was pretty cool. There was an earthquake that shook the jail. And this wasn't just a, well, that was coincidental. No, it says that it shook the jail in such a way that the chains came off and the doors were opened. That's not a coincidental earthquake. Usually earthquakes like level stuff and, you know, cause roofs to, to fall down. But one, one of the things that's beautiful about this is that Paul and Silas weren't praising God to get something out of this. Because if they had been, as soon as, as soon as they were free, guess what? They would have taken off. They would have been like, we're out of here. They, those people, they shouldn't have done this to us. And we, you know, and, and maybe even complained about the situation. But it says that they stuck around that the jailer who was about to take his life 
because a Roman jailer that let the prisoners go free would automatically be killed. No questions asked. The Roman jailer, the was like, no, wait a minute. Stop. Everybody's here. Nobody's left. And so this was an opportunity to, to testify or to give a testimony. And it said that the jailer got born again, that the jailer brought them home, and that his family got born again because they were praising God, because they were singing praises unto God, because they were giving him thanksgiving in their darkest situation. Again, not to get something out of it, because that's just what you're supposed to do. We're supposed to be people of praise. We're supposed to be people that are constantly magnifying God and saying, God, thank you for this day. Thank you for this rain. Thank you for the sunshine. Thank you for my family. Thank you for my job. Thank, you know, being a person that is like, I'm so ready to tell God thank you. I'm so ready to say, hey, God, you are bigger than any disease. You are bigger than any financial problem. You are bigger than any government that is threatening to take over. You're bigger than any, any person. You're bigger than any anything that's in my life you are bigger than those things that is how you glorify God and that should be what is coming out of your mouth go to um go to second chronicles chapter 20 second chronicles chapter 20 I just want to I want to end with I want to end with this because this is a this is a, a opportunity here that the children of Israel they had an opportunity to be fear fearful and to scatter and to act like they didn't serve the living God, to act like they didn't serve a powerful God. It's amazing when you read about the children of Israel and, and everything that God did for them in their time. They were in a time of disobedience. You know, they, they didn't go where God told them to go. And God was like, okay, so for 40 years you're going you're gonna to wander out in the desert. And it, even in their time of disobedience, because he loved them, because his heart was for them, because he cared about them, he still had a great plan for them. And, and, and so we, we, just, we see this all throughout when, when, it, when the children of Israel, that God provided for them daily, and he protected them daily, even in a time of, of disobedience. But this is, this is after this. They've already come through. I saw we were coming to church, and I saw um, one of the churches that we, that we passed. They had, uh, it's time to shout, I think was their, their message this morning. And I was like, hey, maybe I'm going to go there today. But their, but their scripture was Joshua chapter 6. And that was the when the when the children of Israel were told to surround, you know, walk around. Uh, what was the city? Anybody remember the city, Jericho? And 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 it wasn't uh, military. It said, you know, the Bible, the historians say this did not make any sense military-wise. You know, this this wasn't uh, you know some sort of cool way to to surprise the enemy. But they surrounded and they marched around this city uh, at one time for six days. And on the seventh day, they marched around it seven times. And on the seventh time, it said that the singers and the praisers lifted up a shout and that the walls were leveled. And I'm like, I bet they had fun this morning. So and this is, this is the same kind of situation here. And what's always wonderful is that God doesn't do things you know, the way that we think they should be done. You know, sometimes in our, in our, in our, in our little peak, I, I only use maybe 10 or 15% of my brain. Maybe some of y'all use a little bit more. But we, we think we have God figured out. We think that we do. But then the children of Israel here are in a situation. And it says, now it came about, I'm in Second uh, Chronicles chapter 20, verse 1. 
It says, now it came about that after this, that the sons of Moab and the sons of Ammon, together with some of the Munites, came to make war against Jehoshaphat. This is Judah, which is part of Israel, which is part of God's people, God's chosen people. And then some came and reported to Jehoshaphat, saying, a great multitude is coming against you from beyond the sea, out of Aram, and behold, they are in in Gedi. Verse 3 says, Jehoshaphat was afraid, and he turned his attention to seek the Lord. I love that. I love that he was afraid. I love that. Sometimes we think we have to be... And you just look silly. But it says that he was afraid. Because he understood what he had... In the natural, he understood what was coming against him in the natural. And as humans, we always have an opportunity to react. But guess what? We're not just elevated animals. We were made in the image of God. And what's beautiful is that it says that Jehoshaphat was afraid, and then he turned to God. Selah. Jehoshaphat was afraid, and he turned to God. He proclaimed a fast throughout all of Judah. I just want to hit this again. He turned his attention to seek the Lord. He turned his attention to seek the Lord. Pastor Jennifer's been talking about prayer the last few weeks and uh, how that is a, that we have this model in, in Matthew that, that Jesus is like, this is how you pray. I believe, and we'll see this here, Jehoshaphat, he knew, he knew exactly, he knew exactly what to do in this situation. Even though his first sense was fear. Even though he turned his attention, turned his attention to God. It says here that he proclaimed a fast throughout all of Judah. And so Judah gathered together to seek help from Help me out. He seek, they wanted to seek help from the Lord. And they even came from all the cities of Judah to seek the Lord. This is what they did. This is, they were afraid, and so they put all their attention on God. And they, did, they proclaimed a fast. And we've talked about this before. It's been a little while. But this, that what that did is that made sure that everything about them physically and emotionally, that it was all kind of suppressed. When you, when you fast, when you're fasting before God and you're praying, what you're doing is you're suppressing the, the, the flesh part of your body. Your spirit, you have a soul and you live in a body. Well, a lot of times our body is taking a lot of control over what's going on in our noggin. And Jehoshaphat, when it says he was afraid, it's because he was being led by his flesh. His flesh probably got little chill bumps. He's like, oh my, oh God, these three, three nations are coming against us. Three nations are coming against us. It says here that Jehoshaphat stood in the assembly of Judah in Jerusalem in the house of the Lord before the new court. And he said, oh Lord, the God of our fathers, are you not God in heaven? And are you not ruler over all the kingdoms of the nations? Power and might are in your hand so that no one can stand against you. Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. It was working the same way in the Old Testament. 
This is how you get something. And it's, I'm not saying to get something from God. I'm saying that you, that you get the answer from God. All right? Prayer is not about getting stuff. Prayer is about getting yourself in a position to receive from God. And you started out by praising Him. You started out by talking Him up. You started out by saying, okay, God, this is who you are. This is who you say you are. And, Father, I believe that's, I'm talking you up right now because I need help with this situation. And so as he does this, as, as Jehoshaphat is saying his, he says, did you not, our God, Drive out the inhabitants of this land before your people Israel and give it to the descendants of Abraham, your friend forever. They've lived in it. You built a sanctuary. They've built a sanctuary for your name there saying, should evil, become a should evil come upon us, the sword or judgment or pestilence or famine, we will stand before this house and before you for your name is in this house and cry to you in our distress and you will hear and deliver us. See, this is Jehoshaphat, is just, he's just stating the obvious here. He's just saying, this, God, this is who you are. Now, this wasn't so that God was like, oh, yeah, now I remember who I am. Thank you, Jehoshaphat. No, this was to help Jehoshaphat and to help all of those that heard him. Because listen to this. We go down and we say, now behold, the sons of Ammon and Moab and Mount Seir, whom you did not let Israel invade when they came out of, Israel, out of the land of Egypt, they turned aside from them and did not destroy them. See how they're rewarding us by coming to drive us out from your possession, which you have given to us as an inheritance. Our God, will you not judge them? For we are powerless before this great multitude who are coming against us. Nor do we know what to do, but our eyes are on you. It is okay, church people, to say, I don't know what to do. As long as you follow it with, God, my eyes are on you. My eyes are on you. I'm following you. I will not be led to the left or to the right. I'm going, I'm going with you. You are there. And it says here in verse 13, all of Judah was standing before the Lord with their infants, their wives, and their children. This was a family affair. This wasn't just the men were, were, were the ones that were only supposed to get the instruction. No, the whole family. And listen, they just heard all of these words that Jehoshaphat said. So you know what that did for them? They were able to praise God. They were able to praise him and go, oh, yeah, oh, yeah, remember that. And they would think about all the, the testimony from, from the people of old that had gone before them where, where there were songs of deliverance and there were songs of the, the horse. And we sing songs, you know, we used to sing songs like this, the horse and the rider thrown into the sea. Well, that is, that is what, that's what they were remembering. That's what they were, they were, they were just they were stirring it up on the inside of them because of how great God is. And it says here in verse 14, that in the midst of the assembly, the spirit of the Lord came upon Jehaziah the son of Zechariah, who's a prophet, the son of Benaiah, the son of Jael, the son of Matanai, and the Levite, the Levite, the sons of Asaph. And he said, listen, all Judah and the inhabitants of Jerusalem and King Jehoshaphat. Thus says the Lord, do not fear, do not be dismayed because of this great multitude, for the battle is not yours, but God's. A statement was laid down. The line was drawn. And he's telling the whole assembly, he's saying, look, guys, do not be afraid. 
Do not be afraid. God is saying during these times, I know they're messed up. I know you don't. I'm just like, what is going on with Russia? What is going on with, with Saudi Arabia? What is going on with, you know, there's a, I saw there was an earthquake in another part of the world in Morocco or something like that. What is going on in all these places? Is it time to be afraid yet? No. No, this is the time to be talking up God because people all over your world are looking for somebody that's got an answer. From generation to generation to generation, they are looking for somebody that they can follow that makes sense. They're looking for somebody they can follow that's like, okay, I know there's, I know there's stuff going on, but listen, God is the God of heavens. God put everything into place. The, the, the Bible tells us that the hill and the thousand, everything is God's. It all belongs to him. It says in verse 18, first of all, some instruction is given in 16 and 17. He's telling them that you don't have to fight. You just stand. You see the salvation of God on your behalf. O Judah and Jerusalem, do not fear or be dismayed. This is verse 17. Do not fear or be dismayed. Go out and face them, for the Lord is with you. This is telling us that no matter what's going on, no matter what situation that you're in, that you don't have to be afraid. You don't have to back down. You don't have to stay home. You go. You stand before it. And you understand that the salvation is God's and that he's going he's gonna to do it for you. Verse number 20 says, They rose early in the morning and went out into the wilderness. And when they went out, Jehoshaphat said, he reminded him, he said, Listen to me, Judah and the inhabitants of Jerusalem, put your trust in the Lord. You will be established. Put your trust in his prophets and succeed. He's saying, Trust God. Trust his word. Christian, we've got to know what his word says. We have to know what it says. From the beginning to the end, you have to understand who his word is, is who he is. His word is what he's doing for you right now. His word is, is your, what your future holds. That is his word, and you have to trust in his word. It says here, he says, listen, put your trust in God. Put your trust in the prophets. Put your trust in his word and succeed. And when he had consulted with the people, he had pointed those who had the biggest weapons and had the biggest muscles. I'm sorry, Kevin, but he didn't call on you. He, 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 he called the people that, that didn't, that, you know, that had the longest spears or had the fastest horses. He didn't call on any of those guys. But he did call on Kevin. It says here, it says here, he appointed those who sang to the Lord and those who praised him in holy attire as they went out before, everybody say before, before the army and said, give thanks to the Lord for his loving kindness is everlasting. God responds to his word. Every single time, God, that he wouldn't have told us that he inhabits the praises of his people if he didn't respond to his word. He's wa he re wants to respond to your word. So you've got to give him the word so that he can respond to it. You've got to give him, and listen, it wasn't the big strong guys. It wasn't, you know, maybe they were big and strong. Maybe they did have the fastest horses. Maybe they had the, the coolest, you know, uh, technology of the day to, to fight the enemy. But listen, at this time, Judah was a weak, weak army. They had no chance in the natural. 
They had no chance to survive against this onslaught. And if Jehoshaphat hadn't done what he did, if he hadn't turned to God, Israel would have been destroyed. And who knows, who knows what would have happened? Who knows where we would be, we would be today? I believe that somebody else would have risen up because God is a God of his word and his word accomplishes what it's sent for to accomplish. But it says here, just, just for fun, just for kicks, it says in verse 22, when they began singing and praising, the Lord set ambushes against the sons of Ammon, Moab, and Mount Seir, who had come against Judah, and so they were routed. For the sons of Ammon, Moab, rose up against the inhabitants of Mount Seir, destroying them completely, and when they had finished with the inhabitants of Seir, they helped to destroy one another. When your attention is on God, the devil will just destroy himself. Every single time. Every single time. And maybe you're going this morning and you're saying, you know, I'm, I've just not been in a battle like that before. You know, I've never, I've never been threatened by uh, the people of Pickens and Oconee in Anderson County. I've never, I've never had this issue before. How does this apply to my life? How does it apply to my life? Well, there's things out there that are called the uh, economy. You know, uh, some people aren't happy with the government, and so they, you know, we've got that that, that we think is, is messing with us. Um, there's, there's sickness and disease that's constantly moving around that would love to, to take you down and to, to weaken your faith. So what are you going to do? How do you respond to those things? You get like Jehoshaphat. It's okay to be afraid as long as you seek the Lord with all of your attention. But what do you do when you're like Paul and Silas? And for no reason. I mean, they helped this girl out. They helped her out. For, for She was being taken advantage of. She was a, you know, a she was being pimped for her for what was going on on the inside of her and and there was no reason for them to be beaten to i mean pretty near death there was no restraint on on how much how many weapons they could get but they what they did they remembered who their god is they remembered they remembered the call of god that's on their life they remember that he is for them and not against them. And then even, even when you get to a place where you're like, man, how did I get here? The Bible is very clear that if you turn your eyes to him and put your attention on him and begin to talk him up, things will change in your favor, change on your behalf. Change to help you get to where God is wanting you to go because that's all that matters is that you end up where God has set you. You know, our, one, of our favorite, one of our favorite scriptures here is that God has, that he's looking, he's watching us, he's, 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 he's making sure that we're on the best pathway for our life. And that is such a, that is such a truth that we miss out on because sometimes we think, well, I can just do whatever I want to do. No, there is a path that God has ordained for you. And Satan wants to keep you off of it. He wants you to, to take detours, and even you, he even wants you to go backwards some and, you know, and try and deal with things that are back. No, God's always a God of forward motion, God of moving ahead. But don't let praise be the caboose of your faith train. Let it be the engine 
of your faith training. Praising God will help you to stay full of who he is and what he's called you to do. Amen. Praise God. Well, if y'all will stand with me just for a minute. We want to just, just take a minute just to worship you. Father, we worship you. We praise you.